We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 411 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dean Hilton, and as you can probably tell from the cover art and the length of the show, yes, this podcast is the audio from that mega, over-the-top, way-too-much research that I did to give Kool-Aid at least one reason to watch every World Cup team. But before I do give you that audio, I did want to update everybody on a few things. Just some house cleaning for the podcast, folks, starting with the fact that the next show will be out in like 72 hours and serve as the full preview for the World Cup, with those fun predictions with a guest. And then that's all you'll hear from me this week, because as those who follow along will know, I haven't really stepped away in about nine months, aside from that trip to Germany a few weeks ago. But as everybody also knows, traveling to Europe and back to the States in four days is not really that relaxing. So again, I'll be away for the week, and maybe watching World Cup games, maybe not watching World Cup games, maybe watching as many games I can get away with, and certainly picking and choosing which condensed games I'll grab. Thank goodness for those, by the way, or at least they better be making those again this year. Why watch a snoozer for 90 minutes when you could watch it in 15? Especially if it's, say, Qatar-Ecuador that kicks off the World Cup and likely does not have a single player that would come up on the podcast. After I get back the next week, I'll likely be doing two shows per week until Barca returns at the end of the year. The hope would be that one show is about Barca updates, if there are any, or history stuff if I have time. But I will say that Laporta's honesty, and I know him being transparent for once is quite the surprise, But him talking about that FFP and no January transfer signings, that does kind of put a damper on the transfer rumors that we could discuss. And the history stuff does take some time because, as you know, I like to be exhaustively thorough. But I do promise there is a Luis Figo piece slash podcast notes that is burning a hole through my to-do list and has been staring at me for over a year now. Then the other show in the week will likely be about the World Cup, of course. But listen, if Barca players are making a ton of headlines and multiple times a week where we don't get to everybody, then we'll be doing that, as in the World Cup multiple times a week. And while he does play for PSG, Messi was in our lives for a long time, and I know that many Kool-Aids will be following Argentina to see if he can finally make that history. And speaking of history, yes, I know that Twitter might be history soon, and if it does go belly up, unfortunately, that will affect the way, and I have to be really honest about popping the hood on this, that I use Twitter pretty frequently to track down guests 
and even to get in contact with new guests and will ultimately mean that I lose contact with some of the more sporadic co-stars. So one of the things that you can actually do for me, very rarely do I, sometimes I'll ask you to fill out five stars or make a review or join this or join that. But if there is somebody who has never been on the show or who you really, really enjoy on the show even, so you're not necessarily inviting them yourself, but if you're on Twitter and there is somebody that you want on my show that you think is reasonable, again, that isn't somebody that's contentious or too difficult, if there is somebody, I mean, let's say there's a big YouTuber that we might know has been around for a long time that you want to have on this show, then at them on Twitter. Let them know before that site gets shut down that they'd love to hear you on the show and that I even asked you to ask them if they would like to come on the show and maybe they'll then get in contact with me because more likely than not, if it's somebody who has, we'll say, a big following on Twitter that's related to Barca or there are even journalists that you may have read a book from, let's put it that way, I have probably tried to get in contact with them. I've either written them an email. There are some people I've even hit up on LinkedIn. So likely I have tried to get the guests that you're wanting me to have on the show. So again, you can kind of do your part here before Twitter does explode or if it's already exploding, well, I don't know what to do then, but if it hasn't exploded yet, yeah, maybe just add somebody that you'd like to hear on the show and that would be a great way for them to know that I would also like to have them on the show and maybe they'll finally get back to me if I've already reached out to them. So, you know, I got to say people just don't answer emails like they used to, you know, so sometimes we got to go through more unorthodox means to get in touch with everyone, I guess that's what social media is for. But even if Twitter does survive, I also want to say that it has got me thinking a lot about this community and how I can be better about going back and forth with you. Instead of just answering the people that are just trying to wind me up or frustrate me, it seems like that's kind of just my way where eventually if you keep picking at me, I'll eventually give in to somebody and, and talk back to them. But I don't really talk much to the people who I should just kind of be having a dialogue with as a larger community. So well, you probably have an idea as to what I'm thinking as far as what the, the platforms and options are. In the next few days, I do plan on providing some options to redefine where people can connect about the show and Barca News in this community. This will hopefully also include special privilege for the Patreons, but I am still thinking about exactly what that looks like. And I also want to say, don't worry about the Facebook group. That won't be changing either. So I don't know if you came here for the five minutes of updates, but if you just watched on YouTube, well, then you didn't hear this. So hopefully, again, that's why you came to the podcast. If you go watch on YouTube at this point, totally forgivable. You know, if I see a dip in where people tuned out, totally understandable. I worked really hard and for a very long time on every single team. You know, I can't wait until the next rounds when you don't have as many teams because going through every player on every team and trying to find Barca connections, that took a long, long time. So I hope you go and enjoy the video. Even if you'll hear the podcast now and you do it on double speed and you might have missed something, go back, watch it, watch the video. I list every player that I name, some of which are not even in the World Cup, but do have a connection to Barca and a country that is taking part in the World Cup. So it's a whole thing. It's a bit much. As my wife said, I knew you'd go overboard with this, and I did just that. So do enjoy me going overboard. At least here's the audio version of that. Here you go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As is going to be the case with every piece of World Cup content, for those who've been following me for any bit of time, I feel like you've started to get a sense of how I view the world and what my politics may be. If you did click on this video, I know you don't need a disclaimer at the top here, but I do want to keep reiterating some of the things that are going to keep coming up in the comments. Making content is a big part of my job and my jobs, so you will keep seeing it throughout the World Cup. I don't really have the financial luxury to sit on the sidelines for a whole month. So that's why you're going to keep seeing content. But as I keep telling people too, this is a Barcelona-related channel, and we do follow FC Barcelona here. So you're going to see updates on the Barcelona players at the World Cup. And I'm hoping to make some Barcelona-themed content that doesn't have anything to do with the World Cup at all. I don't like that the World Cup is in guitar. I hate that there's corruption in the game that we love so, so much. But again, it's also a job, and I'm still doing that job. So without further ado, though, here is a World Cup preview. This is extensive as you look at that runtime. So Buckle in, put me on in the background while you're doing dishes or cleaning up or doing some homework or whatever. Put me on in the background and maybe you'll catch something with your ear that'll spark some interest and you get to tell your friends some fun facts you might learn. So let's get into it. Here's one or more reasons why you can watch every single team at the World Cup from a Barcelona perspective. Starting with Group A and starting with Ecuador. Yeah, and starting with a tough one here. Barcelona's had just one Ecuadorian player, Kike Severio, who never actually saw the field, even though he got called up to the matchday squad a few seasons ago. But I'm watching Ecuador with a focus on six players in particular. Leverkusen's Pierre and Copy, which does give me the opportunity to mention my first disclaimer. Yeah, I don't necessarily know how to say all these names, but again, I'm going to try my best as always. So pronunciations, I don't mind if you correct me down in the comments below. Do that or hit me up on Twitter, wherever. You can let me know what the proper pronunciation is and I'll try to get it better next time. Back to the list, it's LAFC's Diego Palacios, former linked with Barca B, Jose Cifuentes, who'll likely be moving to Europe after the World Cup, Brighton's young Moises Casado, and Jeremy Sarmiento, and Vide Leeds' Gonzalo Plata, keeping it in Spain. Of this bunch, I don't know who would ever be at Barca. Hincapi and Casado, the most likely, but again, pretty unlikely. To the Netherlands, all right, this is a bit easier here. Obviously, Barca sent Frankie de Young, and controversially, Memphis Dubai appears healthy enough to play. Interesting. Aside from former Barca manager Louis van Gaal managing his last football, and he is the oldest manager at the World Cup, former Barca Academy star Xavi Simmons and last season's unlikely hero Luke de Jong are also in the squad. While the club isn't linked to him directly, Jeremy Frimpong from Leverkusen is on the fringes of the squad, and along with Kenneth Taylor of Ajax and Cody Gakpo of PSV, I can't imagine any of them at their current spots, maybe Taylor, at their club in 18 months, and I don't know, those are players that I would put on Barca's radar. 
For Qatar, yeah, they shouldn't be in it. They are making their World Cup debut, so that'll be a thing. But it's not the player's fault or the manager's, though he did choose to take the job. And that's Felix Sanchez, who was born in Barcelona and worked in the academy as a coach from 1996 to 2006. Yes, working with some of your favorites as they ascended to the first team. He joined the Aspire Academy in 2006 and has been managing in Qatar for their national team since 2013. Other Spain connections, Tarek Salma was a youth player with both Real Sociedad and Deportivo Alaves, and Akram Afif was loaned and loaned out by Villarreal for five years, starting with Sporting He Home. And due to a relationship with the Aspire Academy, a number of players have a connection to cultural Leonesa, so another Spanish football connection, and yes, of course, Xavi did manage there. Senegal, like everybody else, I was pretty bummed to see Sadio Mane pick up that injury, as have so many other important players, so I'll just tell you to watch out for three La Liga players. Yusuf Sabali of Real Betis, Pathé Cisse, and Nicholas Jackson, the 21-year-old winger from Villarreal, who was briefly linked to Barca a few weeks ago. So he's certainly, that being Jackson, the player to watch. We head to Group B and to England, 1966 champions who are trying to be champions again. They're obviously one of the almost favorites, I say, so of course eyes will be on them anyway. But for Barca fans, I think you should watch in particular Declan Rice from West Ham. Barca would never splash the cash on an expensive Englishman when Chelsea would spend $100 million on him, but his approach to a similar position as Busquets's is going to be something to note. Aside from that, like I watched Monaco a few times last season knowing that Chilmani was going to Madrid, Kules can do the same thing with Jude Bellingham. For Iran, this was another tough one. Unless somebody can point something out, I didn't find any direct or even almost Kevin Bacon-esque connections to Iran to FC Barcelona. Unless you count for Real Madrid manager Carlos Queros, who Kules may remember trying and completely flopping in charge of the Galacticos. He only managed in the 2003-04 season and finished in fourth place, winning only the Spanish Super Cup. This was with Zidane, Brazilian Ronaldo, Luis Figo, and a newly arrived Beckham. Since then, he bounced around the international scene, Portugal, Colombia, and Egypt, and is now in his second stint with Iran after managing them from 2011 to 2019. For the United States, I do have the numbers and the locations of the people that watch and listen. So I can say that there will be a contingent of these viewers who do follow the pod and who will be watching the United States of America. And that's even if it's not for on loan Sergio Dest. While I'll always be looking for the next American at Barca, there are also the Liga connections including Celta de Vigo's Luca de la Torre and Valencia's Yunus Musa. Musa, by the way, is one of my picks to really break out in this World Cup, and he's a player that I think Barca should go for, if not for all the other teenage midfielders they already have. If he could play the six consistently, I'd be screaming for his signing yesterday. For Wales, the headline will be Gareth Bale, former Real Madrid player, who today would probably get on fire with Kool-Aid because of how much Madrid fans turned on him after the golf jokes. But I won't forgive the Copa del Rey, Mark Bartra moment, but that's just me. Aside from Bale, this team is pretty England and Wales based with some exceptions but nothing that ties into Spain or Barcelona. Instead, a fun fact, one Welsh player has played for Barca and that was Mark Hughes for the 1986-87 season where the centre forward played 37 matches and scored 5 goals but he's a bit more known for his work at Manchester United. Starting Group C with Argentina, well, Noel Molina does play for Atletico Madrid and I guess that's it, I think that's it for Argentina. Or maybe there's Herman Pazella from Real Betis and alright, on to Mexico. But in all seriousness, I don't need to brief you on Argentina at all. He plays for PSG, but Messi has said himself that he will always be Blagrana. For other Barca purposes, even disregarding the Liga players in Papu Gomez and Gonzalo Montiel of Sevilla, Pazella and Guido Rodriguez of Real Betis, Molina and Rodrigo de Paul of Atleti, and Geronimo Rulli of Villarreal, I'll be paying close attention to Juan Foyth of Villarreal and Enzo Fernandez of Benfica if he sees the field. 
Enzo is another six to watch, and of course, fourth is heavily linked to Barcelona at the moment. For Mexico, of course, Barca Athletic manager Rafa Marquez will be watching these games, but him in a Mexico jersey still gives me nightmares, so I'm not going to focus too much on that. There's also former Barca manager Tata Martino, but that was almost 10 years ago, and boy, am I getting old. But there is Real Betis' Andres Gordado, speaking of old, and former La Liga players in Hector Moreno and Hector Herrera. But I think the two players to watch for Mexico from a Barca perspective are Edson Alvarez, arguably Mexico's best player and Ajax defensive midfielder, and right back Kelvin Alvarez, who at 23 is gearing up for a move to Europe as an interesting name that somebody brought up in my YouTube comments a few weeks ago. As you're probably catching on, I'm looking at this tournament as a way to understand what's out there for the pivot and defensive midfielder and right back spots. Well, I guess that last rule doesn't really apply to Poland here because it's all about Robert Lewandowski. He's the only Polish player ever to play for Barcelona, and I'll be watching any Poland game saying, hey, don't get hurt, score some goals, on to the next one. For Saudi Arabia, I think I do have to take my first L here. I don't really have a reason for a Barca fan to watch Saudi Arabia. Unless you were really interested about the deal in 2018 between the Saudi Arabian Football Federation and La Liga, when Salem Al-Dassari joined Villarreal on loan and made one appearance, actually coming on against Real Madrid as a substitute in a 2-2 come-from-behind draw. Still probably not a good enough reason for me to watch, though. For Group D in Australia, there aren't many connections between Australia and Barcelona. There never has been an Aussie to play for the Grana. La Liga, however, is represented by Cadiz's Hour Mobile, and Newcastle has already signed Australia's young player to watch, 18-year-old Garan Kual. For Denmark, things get a bit easier. Of course, Barcelona is represented by Andres Christensen, but there's also Martin Brothwaite, who I think Kool-Aid's need a bit more time to forgive. Christian Eriksen is obviously the big story, and Sevilla's Thomas Delaney and Casper Dolberg will be there. Plus, long-term La Liga workhorse in Daniel Voss is still around. On the theme of pivots and right-backs, Benfica's Alexander Ba and right-back could have a breakout tournament, if he plays. Either way, Denmark has been building something for a while, and we saw some of it with their Euros finish. For France, it's one of those extremes. There's a bit too many reasons for Kool-Aid's to watch France. Of course, there's Dembélé and Koundé, and hate-watching Benzema, Kamavinga, and Chouamani. But there's also Griezmann, and recently linked Benjamin Pavard. Then it's the usual faces. Lloris, Mbappe, Giroud, Coleman, and the Hernandez brothers. And Marcus Thuram. If you're still watching, I don't have anything new to tell you about France. Oh wait, did someone say defensive midfielder? Yusuf Fofana of Monaco is 23, not as good as Chouamani and a bit more box-to-box, -box, but hey, I'm still bringing it up because that was going to be my focus here. Tunisia, just like some of the other examples, have never had a player play for Barcelona, suit up for both the country and for the club. And instead of getting into a long discussion about colonialism, many top-level Tunisian players do land in France. With this group, it's actually a bit all over, and I pretty much came up empty. The one thing I did find is that Birmingham City's Anibal Medjbri, on loan from Manchester United, was scouted by Barca in 2019 while he was in Monaco's Youth Academy. But the 19-year-old, then 16-year-old, was reportedly scouted by all of Man U, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, PSG, and Bayern Munich, so pretty much everybody. And that is generally the case with most top prospects who spent time in the prestigious Clairefontaine Academy. Halfway through and shifting gears to Costa Rica, there is more hate-watching that may be required for Costa Rica. With Real Madrid's old goalkeeper, Kaylor Navas, still doing his thing, though Madrid didn't treat him with much respect on the way out. And former Espanol defender Oscar Duarte is still protecting him. Due to the Spanish-language connections, there are a few other players who used to play in Spain, with only Lugos Patrick Suquera, a backup goalkeeper, still on the Iberian Peninsula. But here's your impossible trivia for the day. Barca has only had one player from Costa Rica play for the first team, and that was Alejandro Morera, who played 32 reported matches and scored 15 goals between 1933 and 1935, a difficult time for Barcelona if you know your history. For Germany, again, I get a little break in my research. Obviously, there's Marc-Anne Ter Stegen, who'll be backing up Manuel Neuer, Blatt, and Rudiger as the other La Liga player. 
But for Barca purposes, I'm watching for 18-year-old Yusuf Mukoku and the few minutes he may get. People will say Gundogan from Men City, but he's 32 and I'm not too interested in signing up for that. Mukuku is 18, but with him out of contract at the end of the year for Dortmund and potentially looking for big money, the links with him and Barca may be just that. Links to spark other interests and create a bidding war. Mukuku is also the youngest player of the tournament, by the way. For Japan, I think any Barca connection begins and ends with Real Sociedad's current player, Ntakafuso Kubo, former Barca Academy player and Real Madrid player who did go out on loan a ton of times. He's still just 21, and while I don't see him rejoining Barca in the future, it's crazy to think how much time he has left to take that next step that both Barca and Madrid believed in. For Spain, you know, I don't even think I need to do the other three in this group because you'll probably be watching these group games because Spain is in them. And I won't waste too much time here either. It's all about those big questions. Is Eric Garcia going to be good for Spain like he usually is and isn't for Barca? Is Busquets going to struggle at the international level the way he has for Barca this season? Can Ferran Torres and Ansu Fati recapture what they've been missing at Barca? What happens if Jordi Alba is vintage Jordi Alba? Will everyone please not kick and injure Pedri and Gabi? These are all questions I'll be pondering watching Luis Enrique play a very similar style to Xavi using a number of Barca players. Group F, it's time for Belgium. Well, yeah, they have Courtois, bleh. Axel Witzel from Atleti will be there, as well as someone that looks like Eden Hazard. But with the recent links to Yuri Thielmans, who at 25 could play a major role for Belgium, that's the player I'm watching. 20-year-old winger Jeremy Doku is also a candidate to really break out in this tournament. It's all the faces we've grown to know with a team that I have no idea how they'll do in this tournament. With Canada, because Balut Table just didn't ascend to that next level, and he also never featured for the Barca first team, Barca is still waiting on the first Canadian. And while I don't know if that future first Barca Canadian is in this squad, Daniel Alfonso Davies, I'll be watching Lille's Jonathan David, who is still just 22 and ready for another move, and 20-year-old Ishmael Kone. Canada is full of good professionals just below the top club level, but Kone to me is one of those MLS kids I've gotten to watch who I wonder how high he can fly. For Croatia, there is no even Rakitic. Remember, he retired back in September of 2020, so I don't really have a good reason for you to watch Croatia, other than them being a dark horse candidate to win it. Lovar Mayer from Rennes, a 24-year-old midfielder, was linked to Barca a few weeks ago, but I don't think that rumor held much water. Ante Budimir has been a menace around the Liga for a few seasons now, and Luka Modric is still there, so there you go. Rounding out Group F is Morocco, who really have one reason for Barca fans to watch, and that is Ez Abde, to wonder if he can ascend and take that next level and have a breakout tournament. He is currently on loan at El Sassuna, as I'll remind you. As I said, the big reason to watch Morocco. There is also Sevilla's Yusuf Nassiri and Yassine Bonneau and Valladolid's Shawad El Yamik. And Morocco's success could come into hands of some players that I know people will say Barca should have signed, including Akraf Hakimi and Nassar Masraoui at PSG and Bayern Munich, respectively. On to Group G we go, and that means it's on to Brazil, another team where I got to be a little light on the research, didn't really have to dig in, and I also don't have too much to say. Rafinha is the only Barca connection this time around, with Manchester United, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Arsenal, and PSG all having more representatives. And there's, of course, former Barca player Neymar, if you remember him. And Danny Alves still got the invite at the ripe old age of 39. Pretty much everybody on this team that will have one already has an expensive home, so Rafinha finding his form is the only individual player I'll be concerned with. The Yoga Benita of Brazil at the World Cup and being the favorite is also reason enough to watch. For Cameroon, people will mention Samuel Eto'o, but Barca has had four players from the African country play for the first team. Alex Song's comments about the paycheck sum up his time, and Jean-Marie Dongu and Wilfred Kaptum both made three appearances and are still hanging on as professionals elsewhere. However, none of them are in this Cameroon team, so I'm going to tell you to watch Nuhu Tolo from the Seattle Sounders. For those who don't watch MLS, I can tell you that things happen with that guy, good and bad, and the variance of his play could lead to a viral moment. Former Barca Academy keeper Andre Anano is starting in net, but after seeing him with Inter, I'm good on him for a while. 
And while I doubt he'll feature much, Martin Anglet did make six appearances on loan for Barca B back in 2018, and since we're in Group G, you can tell I'm trying to use up all my fun facts. Serbia is another team where you'd think that with their footballing history there would be some kind of Barca connections, but alas, the days of Dragan Siric, who made 40 appearances for Barca between 1997 and 2000, are long gone. There are six Liga players in the Serbian ranks, but I think most of the eyes will be on Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who is now a 27-year-old midfielder after being an up-and-coming star for so many years, with a caveat of watching him being that he was born in Yeda, because his father was playing professionally in Catalonia at the time. For the same reason, Sergei's brother Vansha, who was a goalkeeper in the squad, was born in Irlens in the Galicia region. With Switzerland, maybe the only reason for Kool-Aid is to watch may be only for the history buffs. The last Swiss player to play for FC Barcelona was Ernst Tallman in 1910. The other two were George Meyer and a guy by the name of Juan Gamper, or Hans Max Gamper Hessek, as he was born in Switzerland. If there is another Barca player coming from Switzerland, I'm not sure if it's coming from this group, because the core of this team is already pretty established players elsewhere, and I'm not sure how high the ceiling is for the young players. In the Liga, Ere Khmer of Valencia is 24, and pretty much at that level, but who knows if he can't take another step forward at the World Cup, and that's if he plays. Starting our final group, it's Ghana, and it's actually a pretty easy one too. There was only one choice in this squad. It's Inaki Williams, of course, of Athletic Club, who could potentially meet his younger brother Nico, who is playing for Spain. He's only made two appearances for them this far, but I'd expect him to start and do his best a Samoa Guyan impression. As much as I'd said it was just Williams, though, Mohamed Kudus, the attacking midfielder from Ajax, Kamaldine Solomana, the winger from Rennes, and Tariq Lumpty from Brighton are three other players whose stock could skyrocket depending on how the tournament goes. For Portugal, I mean, I don't need to tell you why. Of course, I'm going to be doing that meme with the popcorn because of all the Cristiano Ronaldo stuff. But for Barca purposes, the force of Diago Delo, Bernardo Silva, João Felix, and Ruben Neves, four players that are all unlikely to ever play for Barca, but are also constantly linked with Barca since the season started. Aside from them, João Cancelo is probably the best right back in football, and Rafael Leo could make himself very, very expensive if someone wants to take him from AC Milan. In the case of South Korea, it comes down to watching two names above all the rest. It's Pak Sung-ho and Lee Kang-in. Lee Sung-woo, who is the most famous Korean name from the academy, didn't get a call this time around, but after a long and winding road through Spain and Germany, Pak Sung-ho, the other Korean player affected by the ban those years ago, is back playing in South Korea, and I'm really curious to see where he is at now, having not seen him play in seven years. Lee Kang-in is now at Mallorca after being a rising star of Valencia, and at still just 21, he won't be at Mallorca for long if things go well at the tournament. And last but not least, Uruguay. Well, I think there are some reasons to watch, and my main reason, though, is of course about Ron Araujo, a player that may not necessarily feature early on in this tournament. Uruguay is a dark horse who could potentially win this World Cup, but I think Ron Araujo is going to have to play a part if they're to do so. Obviously, I'll be watching the exploits of Luis Suarez, and Sin Cavani, and Diego Godin, and company, and Fede Valverde is going to be frustratingly good, but Araujo's health is all that really concerns me watching Uruguay. I know I've mentioned a bunch of MLS players already, but watch for Kundo Torres too. He's 22 and could potentially have an impact moment at the tournament coming off the bench. Then when he's playing in the Premier League, you won't have to argue with me if he's any good. So if you made it all the way through, give yourself a pat on the back, and thank you so much for having all that, well, at least my kind of fun with me. As this always reminds me, the World Cup actually began as an amateur competition, and it's always a bummer 
when we're really just talking about not the things that are that global celebration of the beautiful game, but of course all the corruption and all the stuff that goes on when big money is involved. And you know that just stinks when you're going throughout this process and trying to do this kind of research. So I don't know how many of you possibly watch this entire thing. Maybe it's just because you like watching my content. But if, yeah, you watched all this and you're not planning on watching the World Cup, I hope you do well. If you are watching the games, well, we'll have some stuff to talk about in the coming weeks, of course. And as always, until next time, either way, Forza Barca. So that does wrap it up. I think I gave you the outro that you needed. So you know where to find us. Again, all the updates from the start of the show. I really hope to be working on that. Even in my quote-unquote vacation or time off, I will be again thinking about and trying to figure out, especially if Twitter does start to take a back seat in the way that this show is dispersed. Well, I do want to really define and, and figure things out. So to help make sure I don't get behind the curve, again, sharing that show with friends or other Kool-Aids or people who might get something out of my content, whether it's video or audio, that is always, always appreciated. And as always, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And for Barca.